Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to come to you once again on this July the 31st of 2020. And this is now Friday as we head towards the weekend. We have had such a tremendous time in the Word of God, gleaning from chapters 20 and 21 and, and just seeing prophetically the things that we have been able to glean in these chapters. And as always, it is a, is a, it is a delight and a privilege to have each and every one of you join us. As always, uh, we thank you for taking out of your time to be able to study the Word of God together. And today, we are so happy again to be here with the panel, with Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah, to be able to study the Word of God together in this hour. And so we want to give time to the Word of God. I do believe God has still something more to show us. It's, it's been an interesting ride, uh, an interesting uh, series uh, of all the things that we have been able to glean. So, Brother Marty, we'll leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Yes, <clears throat> praise the Lord. It's good to be back again on this Friday. Uh, like Brother Jeremy said, we've been uh, we've been exploring the Gospel of St. John, uh, chapter 20 and 21. And we're excited uh, for what the Lord has for us today. And uh, as we continue to go forth, um, we're going to continue to dig deeper and deeper into the Word, and, and pray that the Lord continues to uh, to open the Word so we can see exactly where it is that we believe we are by the Word of God in these times that we find ourselves in. And uh, Jeremy, you said your father is here too. Yes, uh, yes, we got a surprise. He he came over, and uh, it's uh, it's an honor to have him. He's just he's just sitting here. He just wanted to listen in, and uh, he's been uh, listening to these podcasts since we started in March, and uh, he's been so blessed by it. But he is here with us today. Praise God! Why why doesn't he greet the people? Say a few words. Sorry, Dad. Well, I want to thank you. Thanks God for the privilege the, to have you guys and listening to you. I've been learning a lot, a lot. My life has been changed by the day, and is I don't know what to say, you know, and to express my gratitude to God and to you guys. And one of the things that I do every day is to pray for you guys, for God oh. to give us some more and more into we get out of here, you know. So I <laughs> thank you for everything you you guys do it and I'm happy for for the word of God. Praise happy. God. Well we're ha we're happy to have you here today with us and uh and if you if you hear anything you'd like to comment on you're you're more than welcome to just jump in and and uh, and also share if, if the Lord moves on your heart to do so. And so uh so we're going to continue our study today as we we're now in in the twelfth podcast, podcast number twelve in this series. I think it's the longest series we've had to this point. I think the uh, five wise and five foolish virgins was eight or nine, but here we are at twelve, and uh, and we're going to continue looking uh, at the hidden prophetic truths that are found in the last chapter of of the Gospel of Saint John. <clears throat> like we said yesterday. Uh, when you read John's gospel and you, you look at ch 
chapter 20, which is where we began, which gives the account of the Lord and, and how he, <clears throat> on the resurrection day, and, and all that happened in that 24-hour period uh, when, when the Lord rose from the dead. And then it, it takes you all the way, that is the 20th chapter, up to the point where the Lord uh, appears to his disciples. Uh, and and we, we focused on that uh, at the end of the day. And then eight days later, when he appears to Thomas. And then the 20th chapter closes uh, with the Lord uh, moving on St. John to, to write um, that he had written all these things so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. And then uh, he closes out the 20th chapter. And when you do some study on how the Gospel of John was written, um, which which we've been uh, looking at, it was it, it is apparent that what John did uh, was in, in his intention in writing the Gospel was, was to close it out after the appearance of the Lord to Thomas. And and that is why he writes, concluding the 20th chapter the way he does. But then something happened, and, and uh, what we're told by the scholars and the theologians throughout church history is that the 21st chapter of the Gospel of St. John was like an addendum. It was like a, an added note, like the conclusion of all matters. Um, the, the, the 21st chapter became something that he added to his Gospel later. And he wrote this particular chapter uh, around the year 90, 95, quite possibly after he had his, his, uh, his, uh, his revelation on the Isle of Patmos when Jesus gave him the book of Revelation. And the reason that he wrote the 21st chapter, according to, to early church fathers and, and theologians throughout history, is because a rumor began to circulate, like we talked about yesterday, that when the Lord appeared uh, <clears throat> to them at, uh, in the third appearance that John records, that in that 21st chapter, which we're looking at today, at the end of the chapter, uh, Peter asks the Lord uh, whether uh, or what was going to happen to the Apostle John. And and the Lord told Peter uh, in verse, let me see here in verse, uh, in verse 22, he says the, he says, uh, Jesus said to Peter, if I will that he tarry, speaking of John, until I come, what is that to you? Follow me. And so, in essence, what he was telling Peter uh, uh, was that, listen, it's not important what I do with John or what I do with anyone else. You follow me. You do what I've called you to do. And so, <clears throat> from that point, rumor began to circulate throughout the church and throughout the decades that, that came uh, up to the close of the first century, that Jesus had said that, that John wasn't going to die, that, uh, that he had told Peter that John wasn't going to die. And so just before John would, would pass away and go, go into heaven, he felt it necessary uh, to include this last 21st chapter uh, in his gospel. And that's how we ended up with 21 chapters. He wanted to clear up the matter. And, and as a matter of fact, he, he says uh, that, that when this saying in verse 23, uh, uh, then went this saying abroad amongst the brethren that the disciple uh, should not die. But Jesus said unto, unto him, uh, he shall not die, but if I, if I will that he tarry until I come, what is that to thee? So he really felt burdened and wanted to include that for several reasons, because the faith of the early church would have been shattered because of this rumor. 
that John wasn't going to die. And so they were kind of looking at him as he aged and got older and older and older, uh, expecting that the Lord would return at any moment. And that, and, and they believed that based on the rumor that was circulating that John wasn't going to die. And so John adds this chapter at the end of his life. And what makes it so significant is that if he wrote it after the book of Revelation, it is, it is pretty insightful as to why he wrote the way he wrote. And that's what we've been, uh, you know, exploring in the last several days, especially. And so today, we're going to, again, focus in on what it is and how it is that John uh, was hiding within this 21st chapter in the way that he wrote uh, very, very significant things uh, that pertain, I believe, to the last day church. And I think it's significant that if it's correct that this 21st chapter was added at the end of his life, then it really is, uh, even even in that act of adding the 21st chapter, a very symbolic thing uh, in the fact that uh, that it's it's what he chooses to reveal at the end. And, and so, in a sense, it is it is echoing down through the corridors of church history and has come to rest in our uh, generation upon whom we believe uh, the end times have, have begun. And so, with that in mind, it is why we are exploring the way that he wrote and, uh, and, and what it was that the Holy Spirit was moving in his heart to record in detail and and subsequently in those details begin to reveal to us some things that we're going to need to understand in 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 our assessment of what the end times actually looks like and and as we're getting into it we're beginning to see that much of what he wrote uh parallels or is beginning to parallel the times that we find ourselves in and so with that in mind we begin our study today we're going to focus today on the fourth verse of the 21st chapter and I'd like you brother Jeremy if you could uh, to please read to us uh, John chapter 21, verse 1 through 6, as we begin our study in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Praise God. You know, verse 6 says, Cast the net on the right side of the ship. And Jesus was very specific at what he drew our attention to there, and subsequently his 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 disciples fishing in the sea. And and I want you to remember that as we go along in this in this podcast today, remember the right side of the ship. But today we're going to focus on verse four, as the Lord jo- draws our attention to to these things. And and again, like we said, you know, the great apostle John, as we've been exploring, 
he's concealed by the precious Holy Spirit's inspiration many, many levels of prophetic insights and instruction for the Lord's church in the way that he wrote in his account uh, of his gospel, of the gospel of the Lord. Uh, what has begun to emerge are many mysteries that we believe are now beginning to become clear because, you know, we are that generation, we believe, to whom the, the book, the Word of God, is now opened in ways that were prophesied, uh, which would occur at the end of time. That which has been concealed up until this point is now being revealed, we believe, to his children that are seeking him, sincerely seeking him. And as we've been studying together chapter 20, the resurrection day, as we talked about briefly, we came to the end of chapter 20 and our attention uh, was now drawn by John at the, as we came to the conclusion of chapter 20 and then into 21 to three specific appearances of the resurrected Lord to his disciples. These three appearances are how John chose to conclude his gospel. And, and therefore, it's, it's what we've been focusing on, because in these three appearances in them, uh, there's great understanding, uh, and it's seen beneath the surface, if you will, of the plain uh, revealed text that he wrote, or what he wrote. Now, we have taken the words of the Apostle John, which he wrote in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 19, verse 10, where he wrote the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Again, John wrote it in Revelation 19.10. He wrote, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And we've been using uh, that, that phrase that he wrote in the book of Revelation, uh, and we have used it as, uh, it's the key. It's, it's like a key that he gave us, and, and we've been applying that key prayerfully uh, to seek the will of our Lord Jesus, right, and and his unfolding revelation and his plan uh, that he's revealed for his church, but but specifically for his end-time church, uh, which we believe is us, that we're that church of the end that's being referenced here and concealed in the 21st chapter. Now, like we spoke at length of the Apostle John and the depth by which he wrote, because he wrote with such skill you know, he really wrote with such skill and such spirituality that, you know, and, and in every event that he recorded, he did so with an incredible yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. He is quite possibly uh, the most mystical, the most spiritually developed of the gospel writers. And, and that's that's just my opinion. But again, uh, we're emphasizing this for the benefit of the listener. So that as we continue to discuss the 21st chapter, we can understand together uh, the perspective we're taking uh, to glean what is hidden beneath the plain text for really what lies beneath or underneath the historical account are truly treasures revealed uh, if we search them and look for them with all our heart led by the precious Holy Spirit at all times, of course, uh, we will see some glorious things. All right. So. And now for today, uh, let's look again a little deeper at what is hidden in plain sight in this incredible last chapter of the Gospel of St. John, the Great Apostle. Now, remember again, like Brother Jeremy was just reading in, in John's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 1, as we have seen, it sets the tone 
and the prophetic tone by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit for our understanding. You know, this is the third, like we were talking about, and the final appearance of the resurrected Lord to his disciples. And and John, uh, he begins by using very, very pointed language. Let's look at verse. Could you read verse 1 again, Brother Jeremy? Yes. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. So he starts off the 21st chapter again, like we've talked about, and we encourage you to go back and listen to the last three or four podcasts to, to come up to speed to where we are today. But he, he, he says, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise he showed himself, like Brother Jeremy just read. So we have to ask the question, what things is he talking about? He says, after these things, he's basically talking about the first two appearances uh, that, that he concluded his 20th chapter with. And then he says that Jesus showed himself at the Sea of Tiberias. In other words, what John's trying to say is uh, is that Jesus specifically showed himself then at the Sea of Tiberias, that his third appearance was when they were at the Sea of Tiberias. So John is immediately drawing our attention to the location where Jesus shows up. He wants us to understand that, right? I mean, isn't that what we see here? It says that he... It says Jesus showed himself again to the disciples, and then he draws ourselves to a specific geographic location. It was at the Sea of Tiberias. And, and really the reason he's doing this and drawing our attention to that location, as we've talked about, is because he's hinting at something. He's leading us to consider, why did Jesus show up there? He could have showed up anywhere. I mean, down at the corner store. I mean, he could have showed up anywhere, but he said he showed up here at the Sea of Tiberias. So we have to ask, as we're being led by the Holy Spirit, we have to ask these questions. That's why he writes the way he does. He wants to ask why. Why at the Sea of Tiberias? Why there? What does it mean that he appeared there? And, and also he goes on to say that he or Jesus, he showed himself on this wise. So there's two things he's drawing our attention, three things, really. One is it's after the first two appearances. And then the third appearance, he says, it's at the Sea of Tiberias. And then, so he draws us to the location. And then he says, and this is how he revealed himself when he was there. In other words, again, John is drawing our attention to pay attention to not just where he showed himself, but how he showed himself. John wants us to discern. That's why he's using such precise language. He wants us to discern something here. And again, keeping in mind that he added this chapter decades later. It's the last thing that he would add to his gospel. And so how he's recording this, and he chooses to conclude that the, the gospel with this, with this identification of, of where Jesus appeared, and it was the third time that he appeared. Now, Again, like we talked about in verse 1, he draws our attention to where he appeared, the Sea of Tiberias. And like we talked about, the Sea of Tiberias uh, is a type of the world. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's the sea at the end 
and he and and it represents the antichrist and his global system remember like we talked about it's not really the sea of tiberius it's actually the sea of galilee right but we talked about how that john is drawing our attention that it's there that jesus appeared and then he labels it by the inspiration of the holy spirit it's it's gentile name the sea of tiberius right and 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 right were you gonna say something no, no, I'm, I'm saying yes, amen. Amen. So he labels it the Sea of Tiberias, and this is how the Holy Spirit communicates. All too often we read quickly through Scripture, and we do not take the time to dig in and to allow the Spirit of God to cause us to meditate, to understand, and to allow him to open these things to us. Nothing is put in Scripture uh, by happenstance or even at the discretion of the writer. Peter said that all scripture, all of it, was given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that not even one little uh, comma or dot, one jot or tittle will pass away, uh, except everything be fulfilled. So it is incumbent upon us that we pay attention to the specifics. And again, in the way that John writes, as we've been exploring, for those of you who have just joined us again, we encourage you to go back and listen to the whole series. You'll see some fascinating things, but how we're drawing these nuggets is based on how John revealed that the testimony of Jesus is revealed. It's the spirit of prophecy. And so if John is talking in these terms, then we learn from the fact that he says Jesus is at the Sea of Tiberias, comparing scripture with scripture, which we won't go over again. We know that the sea represents the world, Revelation 17, verse 15. We know that Tiberius was the Roman ruler, the Caesar, in the Roman government, which was the global power of that day. It dominated the known world. And so John is hinting at us, wanting us to understand that when Jesus makes his appearance, it is at the time when, when the sea or the world will be being dominated by an antichrist or a global system represented in the phrase, the Sea of Tiberias. And so then we go to verse 2, right? Can you read verse 2, Brother Jeremy? Yes. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee and the son of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. And like we talked about before, John again is drawing our focus to this group of people. And when we counted them, right, it was Simon Peter, that's one, Thomas, that's one, and Nathaniel, that's another one. And then he says, the, the, the sons of Zebedee, and we know that's James and John, right? So that's five so far. And then he says, two other disciples. So we have Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and two other disciples. That makes seven disciples. And we talked about, again, we're being drawn to the number seven. We're being drawn to specifics. John is writing very detailed information to us. And he wants us to understand that. He's setting the tone for our spiritual understanding. He's writing in such a way as to conceal uh, a deeper truth which only the Holy Spirit can reveal as we compare Scripture with Scripture. So in drawing our attention to the seven disciples, again, this is the writer of the book of Revelation. 
and comparing scripture with scripture as we read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Can you read that, Brother Jeremy? For those that just joined us today, it'll help them to understand. Can you give me the, the, the scripture one more time? Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Yes. It says, The mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks, which thou sawest, are the seven churches. Amen. So, again, comparing Scripture with Scripture, we see the number seven there is is likened uh, to the church. Seven golden candlesticks, seven angels, seven stars. But but John, then, by, by counting the disciples, he's not doing this by accident. He's drawing our attention again in the way that John has been developed by the Spirit to write. He's, he's giving us details. And so he's wanting us to understand at a deeper level that what's being revealed here is a type, is a shadow of an of the church fully grown at the end. Now, verse 3, John goes on, as we've already covered at length in the previous podcast, he then draws our attention to verse 3. And and what we find in verse 3 is a, is a midnight fishing expedition on the Sea of Tiberias. Would you read verse 3, Brother Jeremy? Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Right. So he 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 says, uh, the Sea of Tiberias. Jesus appears there. This is how he revealed himself to us. And then he draws our attention to seven disciples who go fishing. Seven being the number of the church. So he's referring to a church at the end time who will witness a global system on the sea headed by a a, a Caesar-like figure, which we know as the Antichrist. He then says that they set off to go fishing under that climate, and he draws our attention at the bottom of verse 3, he calling it that night. Specifically, he calls it that night. They caught nothing. So it's it, it, it's it's drawing our attention to the future. And really, as we looked up in the Greek, the word night there that he's using is the word midnight. And so he's drawing our attention to a midnight fishing exposition on the uh, on the Sea of Tiberias, one that finds them catching absolutely nothing. And again, understand, Apostle John, he could have wrote all of these things differently, right? He could have simply said, you know, uh, Jesus appeared the third time and we were all fishing. I mean, he could have said it like that, right? <laughs> but he right. didn't. Yeah. Right. Instead, he was very detailed. Sea of Tiberias, seven disciples fishing at midnight, catching nothing. This is how we know we have to look deeper at every detail, precisely because he recorded them in this way and in this systematic way. For those who have eyes to see, he's actually writing in an incredibly deep spiritual level and revealing some profound things to us. And like we discussed yesterday, what's significant about the fact that John points out that it's midnight or that night and that they're fishing but catching nothing, what is being revealed is something as as we go forward now in our times, 
uh, we're going to see that it's going to become more and more evident. We're going to see something more and more evident and, and, and uh, as they saw. And, and what is it that we're going to see? It is quite possible that the Lord, like we talked about yesterday, is, alert, is alerting us to the fact that midnight is coming. And when it arrives on the sea, which is the world, gospel efforts at that time will become futile. I think that's what's being revealed here. Brother, Brother Fernando, do you have any thoughts on that? Like we talked about yesterday, could you elaborate on that? In catching nothing at midnight, what that seems to be meaning to you? Yeah, uh, we spoke about that yesterday, uh, which is, uh, to start off, it's, it's quite a statement, right? Um, to to come to a place in the church age where we're unable unable to catch anything. Because when we think of the gospel, we think of evangelism and going forth and 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 preaching the gospel and gathering fish but what what the scripture uh tells us is that the climate uh that's in the world the system of the world that will be implemented uh will will bring about such a dangerous uh state for the church that that it, and, and the confusion that's going to take place right because there has to there has to be a divide between the the state church, as we've called it, right, the deep church, yeah. and the true church of God. I think that's what has to happen, and so we have to allow that to happen. You know, there's that zeal in us that wants to preach the gospel, but if we don't have the correct understanding or the maturity to understand the times, then we won't know uh, what's taking place, and 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 we won't know what to preach. So what we're yeah. talking about here, the, the Sea of Tiberias, is is this world system that's taking over the globe, that's going to bring about a situation where it's the, the, the true gospel of Jesus Christ is not going to be embraced. It will be embraced by a few, a remnant, but it's not yeah. going to be like it used to be. You know, like when mm-hmm. we had the, the great preachers of uh, back in the day, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, where they went all over the world and filled stadiums, right? Filled, right? filled all the big stadiums in the nation. It's not going to be like that. And it's not like that right now. As a matter of fact, right. our churches are closed. They're mm-hmm. closed. Okay. They're, they're not catching fish. They're not catching <laughs> right. fish, exactly. Um, Brother Marty, uh, I, I have a question. On, and, yes. Uh, Maybe for the sake of the listener, maybe a listener may be asking, well, why did John um, write in a veiled way? Why couldn't he just say it, right? And I'm sure there's right. there's different reasons, right? But do you think, I, I would think at that time, they were still controlled by a Roman government, so he couldn't just say these things, right? And point them out. Maybe, is that could that be a reason? Or, or what, what's your opinion? Or what, what do you think, Brother Marty? Uh, the reason why he would write it in a veiled way and not just say it. Well, I think that that it, it's the way that he was taught by the Lord. You, you remember that that the Lord, at a particular time in his ministry, as he began to near the the, the fulfillment of of his of his trial and then his crucifixion, and then just before the resurrection, that he began to shift how he taught in public particularly to to conceal what he was saying to the general uh, public 
and 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 reveal it only to his apostles. Remember when they asked him, they said, "Why do you speak in parables?" Right. Why have you right? right? How have you started speaking in parables? And he said, "Because unto you it is given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but unto them it isn't. So that in, and so that in hearing they hear not, in seeing they see not." You see, there's something profound in the way that God speaks and communicates, because the the, the, the revelation that He wants to give to His children is not uh, easily or 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 easily gleaned or or understood just simply on the surface. It's the principle of the Scripture that we need to diligently seek God, like He said in in the Book of Hebrews, right? They that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him not diligently yes. seek his blessings not diligently seek his healings not diligently seek a whole you know host of things that he could benefit us by but those who diligently seek him and it's in the seeking of him that in a consistent day to day to day year to year month to month however you want to say it uh, he begins to unfold his heart and he begins to unfold his mysteries. And so he writes this way. Again, we're, like Brother Fernando pointed out yesterday, many many like to elevate the Apostle Paul, rightly so. But they seem to crown him as the crowning achievement of, of, of the apostolic ministry. And I beggar mm-hmm. to differ. I don't diminish at all what the Apostle Paul wrote. But let me tell you something. This, this Apostle right. John, uh, it doesn't right, stay yeah. of... Uh, Right? It doesn't say about the Apostle Paul that he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, Jesus spoke of him as 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 a great and chosen vessel of the Lord. But when it comes to John, his title is the one that Jesus loved, and there's reasons why, and we discussed them at length. But 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 how he was trained, like we talked about yesterday, first up under John the Baptist, right, who had the spirit of Elijah on him. John and Andrew were the first to to follow the Lord. We talked about yesterday how that he saw Jesus come up out of the water and he saw the heavens open. He records it in his gospel. He he, he presents Jesus as the word of God, as from the beginning of creation, the very light of God. So when he speaks of Christ, he speaks of him in such massive, expansive and, and, and levels of depth terms. That is yes. that is the most mystical and the most spiritual. So it's mm-hmm. almost as if that quality of spiritual development and 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 that quality of construction within his mind and heart that that he allowed to be affected in his own personality by the Spirit of God, he could do no other but write this way, because we know from what Peter talks about. All scripture is given by inspiration. But remember, when God uses us, he uses the very personalities that, that have been developed in him. And so he's either he's only limited by our ability to yield to him. In the case of the Apostle John, we have, a, we have an apostle here who was carried from an island in such depth of prophetic vision that he, that he literally was carried into, into heaven itself. And saw the history of all things, even unto the new heaven and the new earth, Revelation chapter 22. So you're talking about a development of a man of God that is so beyond 
uh, what, <laughs> the ability to even describe it, right? And so, <clears throat> so when he writes, he writes in those ways. So turn over to Psalm 49, uh, if you would, real quick, because there's yeah. keys there uh, that that are really profoundly revealed there. And this is this is a psalm that was written to the chief musician, a psalm for the sons of of Korah. Korah. Are you there? Yes. Are you there, brother? Yes. Brother Jeremy, could you read verse one through four? And again, we're still answering the question: Why did he write this way? Amen. Amen. Hear, hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark sayings upon the ark. The heart. So, uh, the, first of all, he sets the tone in 49. This is a spiritual uh, revelation he's giving here. And he starts off the psalm by saying, hear this. You know, something needs to be heard. And then he goes on and begins in verse 3 to say that I will speak of wisdom. And then he talks about the meditation of his heart, right, shall be of understanding. And then he gives us the key. It is by the inclining my ear to a parable that I gain wisdom, meditation, and understanding. And so he's revealing how God reveals. It, it, God speaks in riddles to the world or to the compromised Christian or, or backslider. I mean, it's a riddle to them. But to those who will incline their ear to it, that is, that is to lean in to, to the riddle or to the parable, or to the hidden manna, or to the revelation that's concealed. Because there's right. layers, right? He says, that is when uh, understanding comes. And it's done by meditation. It's done by the speaking of the word and the meditation of the heart. And so John writes in these ways, because what is what is given to the children of uh, of God in this hour is precisely that. It is hidden manna. It is hidden and revealed things uh, that God has laid forth in his word precisely for these times. And those who allow the Spirit of God, and this doesn't happen overnight, and, and frankly, such a disservice has been done in the ministry for multiple decades, so that the people are so scripturally illiterate, even in our Bible colleges, even in our yes. theological seminaries, they spend more yes. time arguing over this and that and the other that means absolutely nothing. And they don't ever talk about Jesus, but it's in him right. that are hidden, hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And like John wrote, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all about him. And we saw when we were discussing in, in one of the earlier podcasts how that Jesus came on the road to Emmaus, right? And he began at Moses and the prophets. And all the scriptures to unlock the scriptures to those two on the road to Emmaus and told them everything from Moses to Malachi testifies about Christ. Right. And so that is, and, and it's those kinds of statements that are revealed in scripture that we take and apply to our own exegesis, a fancy word of our own study of the word of God to begin to allow the spirit to, to pull out and deposit within us 
deeper levels of understanding. Does that help? <laughs> it, it does. It does. You know, I I I I've been at that Bible. I've been at Bible college many years ago, yeah. over twenty years yeah. ago, and uh, you get at 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 the least maybe a little basic level understanding, but much of it is spent on you know homiletics, hermeneutics, how to do a sermon, you know, and but not how to get into the Word of God. And yeah. as you know, as, and I say it, you know, in a nice way. As, as you know, I'm grateful I went there. But but what I've learned has come <laughs> the little bit that I've learned has come through tears, through digging into the Word of God. E- even at yeah. times, this is just for me in my own experience, uh, uh, Brother Marty. That uh, there was even some times when I put all the commentaries away even tonight yeah. and not because I, I'm putting them down but I needed to hear the word of God I needed to hear from him and and I found out so much in that process that um we are grateful for commentaries but at the same time um it, it could only get you to so much you know it, it's getting deeper in the word of God and and God uh does not hide things from us right but he hides things for us to search them that's good. God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. We see that uh, in type when you look at, uh, for instance, the story of Ruth, right? Uh, how that, that Boaz left her handfuls of grain on purpose for her to, to, to discover, right? That's good. Uh, that's good. And, and that, that's, that's what the word or the trail of the word of God is like. The Holy Spirit leads them out. The, the question is, will you go and get it? You know, we mm. saw a type of we saw a type of that in in, uh, in in the book of Exodus, how the manna came from heaven, right? Uh, and 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 they were required every day. The only thing they had to do was get up, go out and get it. <laughs> right? right. But they but they had to go out and get it. You know, and and and, and so that's our responsibility. God will send the manna. And remember, he also sent the dew on the manna, which is the spirit, right? You can't have one without the other. I mean, you can have plenty of manna and have absolutely no life upon it. I mean, our churches, right. our seminaries, our, our, our preachers are filled with, with guys who have just assembled enormous amounts of facts into their hearts and minds. And, and they have absolutely no, no life in what they preach because they haven't, uh, you know, it has no dew on it. It has no spirit on it. But, well, but you know, that man, <laughs> how the, yeah. And, and, and in the book of Galatians, can you t- turn over there real quick? So yeah. we can, we can, we can go there. How the, and what the, what the apostle Paul said there was really cool. Um, let's see. He, he talks about going up by revelation. You know, he talks about the spirit and, and revelation. Uh, that he experienced when he received his gospel. Let me see if I can find that scripture real quick. You know where that is, Brother Fernando? Yeah. Uh, Galatians. Talks about, it's in Galatians chapter one. Uh, I think where it, where it talks about um, in verse twelve. I think for I neither it's, received it of man. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Added. Is that it? Are you talking about when he goes to Arabia? Yeah, he did all that by revelation. Then he, uh, he and he, and he talks about how so that you might know how he received his gospel. Yes. 
but let's look at verse 11 and 12 there. Could you read that, Brother Jeremy, in verse 11 and 12 of chapter 1? Yes. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes. So he he he, he lays forth an audacious claim, right? <laughs> I didn't need to learn this from the from the bigwigs over there in Jerusalem. <laughs> he said the the thing that I preach, he said, God gave it to me. I didn't get it from man. I wasn't even taught it by man. John speaks the same way, right? We've been talking about that in First John chapter 2, verse 26 and 27, where he says, you don't have a need that any man teach you. The same anointing that abides within you, even he shall teach you. Jesus talked of the Spirit as being the comforter, the guide, the teacher, the instructor, the counselor, the reprover, right? The, the revealer of things that are yet to come. And and that's why they talk this way. And then the, yes. the scripture that brother that brother uh, Fernando was was uh, saying there, he says uh, in verse seventeen, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them uh, which were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia, and I returned again uh, to, to to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up uh, to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him for fifteen uh, years, uh, fifteen days. And then I saw the other apostles and say, I didn't see any of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. So he's basically saying, look, um, <laughs> what I received, I received from God. I didn't learn it from these men. You know, I didn't learn it from them. And you know what's fascinating is what Peter goes on to testify at the end of his life concerning Paul's gospel, right? In, in Second Peter, turn over there real quick. And then yes. we'll get back to our little thing here. Yes. <laughs> so... <clears throat> In Second Peter, uh, I think it's Second Peter. That's the yeah. Are you there? Yeah. And and then he's talking about these deep and, and profound revelations that uh, of the end times and so forth and so on. And then he says, uh, read verse fourteen and 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 uh, fourteen through sixteen. Is that a, a chapter one of Second Peter? Chapter three. Okay. Chapter three. I'm three. sorry. Okay. Uh -huh. Three, verse fourteen to sixteen. Yes. Okay. All right. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Yes. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul was according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. So here he, he, he legitimizes Paul's ministry, and he calls what Paul writes scripture. And Paul is uh, earlier. We just read in, in Galatians. They're saying that what I got, I got by the Spirit, you know. And Peter, at the end of his life, he validates that. And, and it's what's interesting here is he says in verse sixteen, as as also in all his epistles, speaking of these things, the end times, right, the coming of the Lord, in which some of the things that he writes about are really hard to be understood. He said, and and then he says this, which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle with 
as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. So it's interesting that he writes uh, that phrase, they which are unlearned. I mean, Peter never went to school either. (laughs) So so what kind of learning is he talking about here? He's talking about being unlearned or unschooled in in, in the school of the Holy Spirit, praise God. (laughs) That's what he's talking about, you know. Because God is the spirit, right? And they that worship him, Jesus said, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And in John chapter 6, he told them, uh, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit. You know, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but it is they that testify of me, he said. And the words that I speak, they are spirit, right? And they are truth. And so this is why when we get to what we're talking about as we're discussing today, um, they write in these ways. And Peter says that that people who wrestle with the scriptures, it's because of one of two things. They're either unlearned or untrained as of yet in how the spirit speaks. And, and I want to just put a pause right there because I don't want people to get the idea that you got to be this, you know, this this guru on the top of a mountain with a beard down to your ankles, right? And clothed in some <laughs> linen garment. And, and then that's when you're enlightened and you can understand these deep things. Oh, man, Jesus said, unless you become as a little child, you yeah, can't even right. see the kingdom of God, right? So it's not that difficult. It's what you said earlier, Brother Jeremy. It comes by way of prayer. It comes by way of tears. And those tears don't even come in prayer until you've spent time long enough with him to where he can begin to reveal just how awesome he really is to you and just how much he really loves you and how much he could have squashed us like a bug if he wasn't a a good God. That's why when you read things in in, in Psalms where David says, oh, man, uh, you know, your goodness and your mercy endures forever. Right. You know, praise the Lord for his goodness and his mercy endures forever. I mean, these are the kinds of things that you get in prayer. But but, you know, the prayer and the fellowship of the spirit is how we learn. John the Baptist talked about that. You know, turn over to John writes about it in in chapter one. Go over to chapter one of John's gospel and you'll see again, speaking of revelation and how it's given. uh and like we talked about, John was an apostle of John the Baptist before he became the apostle of Jesus. Um, let's right. see. Look at look at in John's gospel when he comes and he's confronted by the Pharisees, and they kind of throw down the the theological gauntlet and they say, "Well, why are you baptizing? I mean, who are you? What gives you this authority?" Right? And he begins to reveal Christ to them, and he says something to these doctors of the law. Uh, when he in verse uh, in verse twenty five and twenty six, can you read that, brother Jeremy? Yes, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye no, not. That's incredible. First of all, what he says there, they come and they, they criticize him for, for his. Now, remember, again, we're looking at John's gospel here. And here's some of the things that John includes right at the beginning of his gospel. It's so beautiful. And it's so it's so plain to see and yet hidden. 
but it's there. It's instructional. The Pharisees come to him and they throw down the theological gauntlet and they say, what gives you the right to be in the ministry? If you're not Christ and you're not Elijah and you're not that prophet that Moses talked about and, and you're not one of us, right? You're not hanging out at the temple with us. We haven't sanctioned your ministry. And, and John, John answers and says to them, I, I baptize with water. And, but then he hits them across the head and says, there's somebody who stands among you and you don't know him. He's talking about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> right? You don't know yeah. him. That's incredible because these were the caretakers of the oracles of God, the nation uh, and the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and Sanhedrin uh, handed down from generations from their forefathers who received it from the mouth of God in the wilderness out of the fire. And then Moses recorded it and handed it down. And from generation to generation, these were the people who had the scriptures, the only true word in the entire planet. And John says, you're the caretakers, and he's standing right among you, and you don't even know him. Wow. That's incredible. So you know all about him. You can quote everything, but you don't know him. And he's here now, he said. Now, then he goes on and talks about uh, Jesus being preferred before him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then he says this in verse 31. Can you Can you read that? Yes. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And, and read 32 and 33, would you? And John bear record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> this is profound. Okay, what do we see here? What is John revealing? And what is John the Apostle recording that he heard John the Baptist say, right? He, he, he admits, I didn't even know who he was. Uh, but that I'm come so that he might be made manifest to Israel. And then he says this, again, how many times does he mention the Spirit, right? John bore record. This is John the Apostle writing about his former teacher, John the Baptist. He says he bore record. And he said, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it came to rest on him. He was talking about Jesus, right? And then he says this again in verse 33, John the Baptist. He says, I didn't know him. But listen to this. He says, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said to me, upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. He's claiming to have had inside information given to him by the father god himself he said he had a conversation with him right and what god told him was a progressive revelation i mean think about the the incredible nature of this the fact that when he was in his mother's womb and the virgin mary now impregnated with that holy child jesus comes to his mother elizabeth's house and salutes her john in the womb of his mother leaps and kicks and and elizabeth said he kicked right 
uh, <laughs> he was already bearing witness of the one that was yet to come, even when he was in his mother's womb, right? But even mm-hmm. him who grew up, knowing, uh, I mean, I mean, it was his cousin was, was Jesus, right? I mean, it was Mary's son. I mean, his cousin yeah. is Jesus, but he didn't know him by the time that he got older. It required the Father progressively revealing to him by the Spirit, right? He says, what I do understand, in verse 31, he says, I didn't know him, but I understood my mission and my purpose, and that if I fulfill it, it's going to manifest him. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I tell you what, (laughs) this is incredible stuff, right? That's what he said in verse 31. I didn't know him, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. I'm come baptizing with water. See, this is this is a word for all Christians out there uh, now. I mean, we'll, 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 let's just follow this this flow of the Spirit, okay? Because because obviously this is this is where the Lord has us today. So listen, He says, "I didn't know Him, but what I did know yeah. is that I was sent to baptize, and that wow. in being sent to baptize, Jesus would be made manifest." Let me ask yeah. you a question. the reason that we see no jesus in our culture today so to speak or in our nation could very well be summed up in the fact that 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 then what we must conclude by this 31st verse is that none of them have been sent to do anything these preachers these mega churches these corrupted uh you know theologians these these cemeteries they call them seminaries right where they where they produce (laughs) <laughs> Nothing but, but, but men who have no word, no light, no anointing, right? That's what they have. And so even when they're sent and they said, that I come to do my ministry here, we don't see Jesus being made manifest. He's not being manifest to the people. That's the problem. That's why everything's going crazy. But But what we see in the quality and the character that John the Apostle chose to reveal to us concerning John the Baptist, who was his mentor before Jesus became his Lord, he, he he was detailed in what he said. Even John, in his humility, says, I didn't know him. You know, I didn't know who he was, which is so fascinating to me because it's yeah, your cousin. <laughs> and you actually <laughs> kicked in your mother's womb when, when, when he came to visit you in his mother's womb. You know? so, so what happened you know, in that 25, 30 year span to where he didn't, he didn't know that his cousin was the one? But what he did know was that I have a calling from God. Yes. And that and that I came to fulfill that calling. And what I understand is that in the fulfilling of my calling, which is the baptism of repentance, the water, right? That's what I've come to do. I've come to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. He said, I know that if I, and it was revealed to me that if I function under this call that God has placed on my life, he is going to show up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Glory to God. You know, you wonder, you know, preacher, if you're out there, or Christian, if you're out there, and you say, man, Jesus hasn't showed up in my church in months. Well, maybe you're not doing what you're supposed to do. See, John understood what he was supposed to do. And he re- and it was revealed to him by the Father. Now, now remember what he says here, because what we're talking about is the Spirit, right? And 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 how things are revealed by the Spirit. John knew limited information 
And what this teaches us is this is exactly how God reveals things to his servants and to his people. He doesn't just dump a giant water balloon of revelation on us, right? He, 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 he allows the, the piece-by-piece revelation of what we're called to do to lead us forward. We must be obedient. What did Jesus say? It's a principle of what Jesus said. He that is faithful in the little, right? I will make him a ruler or a master over much. You know, and, and, and that is the principle of, of all Christian walk. We're all supposed to be in the ministry. You know, we're all called to the ministry of reconciliation, right? Which is the preaching of the gospel. But in John's case, again, getting back to the spirit, he says, I didn't know him. But I'm come that he should be made manifest to Israel. I'm come baptizing with water. And then John bore record, John the Apostle says in verse 32, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. If you can see it, the progression and the way that John the Apostle is writing about this shows how the Spirit is discerned, the kind of quality that's within the vessel of God or the servant of God or the saint of God brings about an open vision of the Spirit of God. He has discernment. I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and resting on Jesus. You don't have to wonder, you know, which preacher's right, which preacher's wrong, you know. The Spirit will identify to you where the Spirit of Christ is. Yes. But if we're not functioning as John did in his obedience and humility, we see the humility in that he said, I didn't know him. I can't claim to have had this great revelation. I knew my cousin was the one. That's not what he said. Right. I didn't know him. Right? So we see his humility there. Brother but, Marty. Right. Yeah, go ahead. It, it makes me think of these so-called school of prophecies that exist, where they teach you how to prophesy teach you how to be a prophet. John himself yeah. said, man, I don't, you know, it, it all they'll cram you up in one year and then you can be a prophet, a certified yeah. prophet, you know, and you, you look at the humility in John who said, man, I didn't, you know, I didn't even know him, right? And uh, it, it's the opposite today. <laughs> you know, just yeah. because we have a certificate or a card that says I'm a bishop, I'm a prophet. No, no, <laughs> you don't know him. Praise God. That's right. And, and and that is the problem, you know, and, and that is the reason that we find ourselves in this condition. It has literally brought upon us and this generation the, the tribulation or the beginning of sorrows. I think that's where we are. The absence of light always causes darkness to flood in the vacancy. You know, and we've had we've had an abrogation by the ministry and, 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 and not just the ministry. I don't want to lay a heavy charged simply at the feet of these these preachers man i also want to talk about the people because we remember several weeks ago we did podcast on isaiah where even when the men of god came with fiery word right the people have reached a a a place of such spiritual compromise and worldliness the people of god that they told the holy prophets not to prophesy uh you know hard messages from god they said prophesy to us smooth things, right? You know, light things. They said remove the Holy One of Israel from before our eyes. You know, so we have we have the fault lies in both in both camps, both in the ministry and 
and, and, in, the, and in the congregations, right? But God always has his people. There's always a remnant. There's always 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal, right? And so he says here, I didn't know him, verse 31, but that he should be made manifest. Therefore, I'm come baptizing with water. That is so powerful what he's saying. Because even when we don't know everything, we have to be obedient to what God has, has assured us in our heart we should be doing. I don't have to have every T crossed, every I dotted. What if John had told the Father, hey, you know, I'll do this thing, but you got to tell me who he is. I don't want to make a mistake. No, <laughs> he didn't say that. He simply obeyed, right? Yeah, I'll go over there. I'll do that. I'll, I'll follow you, Lord. But, you know, what's my housing conditions going to be like? You know, what's my salary like? You know, and what's this and that? And yeah, okay, everything, okay, I got everything. Everything's cool. Where's the faith in that? John said, I, I, I simply obeyed my calling. And in it, the Christ was made manifest. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. So John says, uh, I, I wanna, saw the spirit. Go ahead, brother. No, we were talking about the developing of John and, and the way he writes uh, spiritually. Yeah. And all the rest of the apostles, right, Paul, Peter, they were all developed by the spirit. And going back to the question, you know, uh, or, or the statement that was made that they caught nothing, right, during during the, that particular time, which speaks of an end time um, in, the, in the Sea of Tiberias, it, it, it speaks of an inability in these last days uh, for fish to be caught because there is coming a developing of God's servants to speak in the way that John's speaking. Wow. You know, uh, for an end time generation. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And we have not seen that. We have not seen the gospel preach with this kind of insight. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, uh, at least at least I look around. I don't see it. I know there's men of God because the word of God is not without private interpretation, right? There's right. the servants are out there. There are people that are seeing it, right? But it's not in the mainstream. Yeah, it's definitely not in the mainstream. So there is a developing going taking place in the spirit with God's servants, uh, and 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 God's going to begin to let that voice come forth, like with with an Elijah-like Spirit, right? Yes. Because, like you said, yeah. John was ultimately a disciple of of John the Baptist, right? So right. Th this is what's taking place right now. So God is developing this. You that are listening, you are the mm -hmm. one who God is developing right yeah. now as you're listening to these yeah. teachings. You know, because you're the one who He's going to go tell, cast your net on the right side, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Yes. Praise God. No, that's good, and and that's uh, that that makes me think of of uh, again what we were talking about that progressive revelation, the training. This is John the Baptist, and and who's writing about him again? Like you said, is John the Apostle before he was John the Apostle? So we know who his teacher was, who his two teachers were. Can you imagine <laughs> who his right. two teachers were? <laughs> yeah. <Man. laughs> You go to the school of John the Baptist, and then you graduate into the PhD club of Jesus the Christ. Right? I mean, my goodness. My God. Yeah. <laughs> how can you help? How can you not help but become John the Revelator? Right? I mean, my goodness. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, Glory.
glory to God. Well, let's look at this. I mean, in in First Corinthians chapter two, right? Paul Paul reveals those things again as as speaking of the Spirit. Um, are you there in First Corinthians two? Yes. Listen what he says here in in uh, in verse seven. Can you read verse seven to us, brother? Yes, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Well, that's exactly what Brother Fernando was just saying, right? Yeah. And that's what Paul said at the beginning there. He says, what we speak, we speak uh, the mysteries, the wisdom of God in a mystery. It's hidden wisdom. But he says, this, is, this was ordained before the world began, really, before the world, before the cosmos, for our glory, for this specific time, you yeah. know, and, and, and it's the same flow as it was in the beginning. It'll be in the end, right? He declares the end from the beginning. What Brother Fernando yeah. talked about was it was a, was a deeper level of, of, of gospel ministry being made open and plain to the children of God, God's children. Not the compromised, not 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 the idolatrous, you know, not right. not the worldly church, but God's people who've been shut away with Him, who love Him, and who are seeking Him. All the mysteries are being opened up, and He says we speak that wisdom, and and and, and concerning this wisdom, uh, He said, <laughs> He said uh, in verse uh, eight. What does He say in verse eight, brother brother Jeremy? Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That is one of the most profound statements ever made in the scripture. The princes that he's identifying there are the principalities, the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. The spirit that, that worketh in the children of disobedience those who influenced the nations and the unrighteous and the ungodly, it was given unto them. The Lord willingly laid down his life. But Paul says that the wisdom you know, of the, of the crucifixion on Calvary was the wisdom of God, and, and that none of those demonic powers that attacked the Lord through the, the wicked Roman uh, soldiers and the wicked uh, Jewish uh, Pharisees that handed him over, so forth and so on, that those spirits working through them, had they known that the result of, <laughs> my goodness, Lord, Lord, had they known that the result of what they were about to do was going to result in their own demise, number one, they were going to be judged. Number two, that he was going to raise from the dead yeah. and and bring with him an entire class of being that had only existed in one, which was Jesus, was now going to become multitudes of sons and daughters of the Most High God, all of them full of the Spirit of the living God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. And he said, had they really understood what God was doing, that's why he talks about speaking wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, right? Had they known it was not only hidden from the compromised and the backslidden at the time that Christ came and throughout the ages since then. It was hidden from the devil himself. He wasn't sure what was going on. If you remember when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted and tried and tested of the devil, he, he asked, if you're really the son of God, right, prove it to me. 
he didn't know. Hmm. He had a he had an inclination. I mean, he was there when when the heavens opened and the then the dove you know comes and lands on him like John testified. He, you know, and, and immediately he's driven of the spirit into the wilderness. But the devil wasn't really sure. He'd been looking since the days of the garden, right? And when when God told him that he would, you know, you bruise his heel, but he, he's going to bruise your head. He'd been looking at at a Samuel, at a, at a Joseph, at a Moses. You know, that's what that, we talked about this before. He fought with Michael, the archangel, over the body of Moses, as Jude records it. Right? He was always looking for who's this one. But they really didn't understand the wisdom of God, that he was bringing about their destruction and was about to fill his church with his very spirit so that we would become a habitation of God through the spirit. And John goes, I mean, uh, Paul goes on to write in verse 9. What does he say, Brother Jeremy? He says, but as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God have prepared for them that love him. But what? Verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yeah, the deep things of God. So God has revealed them by his Spirit to us, to us. Right? And what he's literally saying is that the acquisition of the knowledge and the revelation of God will never be acquired by simply the natural. You, can't, I mean, you know, those things have their place. I mean, you know, studying and doing all the things we must do. But if we do it from the perspective of simply gaining knowledge, then we've done nothing if we have not spirit. But the kind of wisdom that we're talking about that Paul is revealing and answering the question, why did John write this way, is precisely what Paul says. It says, God has revealed them unto us, but it's done by his Spirit, verse 10, because the Spirit searches the deep things of God, or all things of God. Yeah. And then he goes on to put forth uh, that, that, uh, that argument in verse 11 and 12, that you know no man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man in him, so forth and so on. But then he says this concerning his church, his true church, verse 12. Can you read that? Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So if you don't have the spirit, which is why all you know this whole cessationist camp, right? You know, those guys who don't believe in the working of the Holy Spirit anymore. That's why when they preach, they're so dry and dead. I mean, they can quote you the Hebrew, the Greek. They'll, they'll quote Lightfoot and Spurgeon and all them guys, right? But they have no life. They have nothing because they don't have the spirit. They deny the spirit. But Paul here is revealing uh, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. And, and, and why has he given us his spirit? So that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That we have, in other words, to put it another way, there are things you can't know if you don't have the Spirit of God flowing in your life. If you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, if you don't understand His voice. And then he, in verse 13, he goes further. Read verse 13, Brother Jeremy. Which things also we speak, 
not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Which is what we've been doing for the last five months, right? <laughs> comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. This is why sometimes it is difficult to, to fully grasp, uh, you know, when, when you're not used to this kind of, of of uh, uh of of exegesis it's a you know fancy word of, of of gleaning from the word of god if god's word could be figured out in 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 in, in four semesters at college then it, it ain't god's word <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right i mean i mean he Absolutely. said my thoughts my thoughts are higher than your thoughts he said he said, my thoughts, in fact, he says, my thoughts, and what generation has seen this better than ours? He said, my thoughts are as as high as the heavens above the heavens from the earth are, so are my thoughts higher than yours. Right? I mean, and, and we, we're the generation that, that sends the telescopes into space, and we've seen, you know, the billions and trillions of light years, how big this universe is. And God says, my thoughts are higher than that from you. And so if we could if we could exhaust the word or learn it, you know, in, in that kind of a classroom setting and, and, and walk out with a certificate and say, now I know God. No, you don't. <laughs> It'll take forever. <laughs> right. Ages upon ages upon ages. And as a matter of fact, it is why he gave us of his Holy Spirit. You know, because if we don't know his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit is in us, he can't even begin the communication process with us. So we don't speak the words which man's wisdom teaches, right? He said, but what the Holy yeah. Spirit is teaching, compare, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Yeah. Verse 14, Brother Jeremy, read verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they right. are spiritually discerned. Yes, they're spiritually discerned. And then he goes on to say, but he that is spiritual judges all things. He understands all things. Yet he himself is judged of no man. In other words, he's saying truly spiritual people, they discern and understand by the Spirit of God the exact situation, the onda, right? As we say in my community, right? The onda, what's really happening, man? He says, you'll know it by the Spirit. But the people who are not spiritual, they won't even have a clue that a child of the living God is standing right in front of them. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> He's judged of no man, right? <laughs> because who's who's known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, you know, yeah. and what he's basically saying there is that we have the, the plan of God, the plan of Christ, the anointed one. We have that. They don't. And so that's why John writes the way he writes. Were you going to say something, Brother Fernando? No, no, no. Yeah, and so he goes on, and we'll just close with this, because he's, he's talking to the church here. And, and, and he goes on in, in verse 1 of chapter 3. What does he say, brother? Can you read that? And and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Keep reading. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, 
neither yet now are ye able. So he makes a distinction, right? Milk is life. You know, so he says, I've given you the word, and but it, but it's but it's been at a baby-like level. And then he talks about meat, right? And he says, uh, hitherto you were not able to bear it. If I was actually to dig into the deeper things of God, he's saying, you, you, you wouldn't be able to understand. And you're still not able to understand. You haven't developed your Christian walk. And the reason that he's laying forth this argument to begin with is because there were all kinds of false teachers and, and guys who were pretending to be this and that, you know, the highly anointed of God, and they were coming into this church and messing it all up. And they were given all kinds of philosophies and ideas and prophecies and all kinds of stuff. That's why he goes on later to correct them in chapter 12, 13, and 14, right, with the gifts of the Spirit and all that, prophesyings and healings. And, I mean, man, they were like the hyper-charismatics of our time. That's what was going on there. And he yeah. says, really, right? You think you're deep, he says, but the truth of the matter is, is you're carnal. You're all in the flesh. Yeah. And he's saying, I can't and, give and you the nothing. Chur the, church, the Church of Corinth is a picture of the modern-day church. And, and the, sa the same could be said of them today. And, and so the apostles' words echo to this end-time generation. Like, yeah. you know, you, you, sh you should be at, at the level that we're talking about and, and gleaning from Scripture. And again, it's not that we're special in ourselves. No, it's, it's the grace. It's the grace of God. Yeah. It's God's grace when he gives revelation to his servants to give to his people. That's what the Apostle Paul would say. So, so we're talking about things right now at such a deep level that the truth of the matter is most people that are listening, they can't <laughs> bear it. Yes, that's true. That's what the apostle says. Yes, that's what he said. And, and, and then he goes on in this third chapter and he says something incredible because he begins to what the issue that he's talking about here, you know, because he goes on to say, know you not that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, preachers have used that scripture there and, and used it as, as a launching pad to, to lay out a list of do's and don'ts before the people and, you know, and, and their intentions are right. But Paul is actually talking here about the church needing to guard itself against the kinds of preachers that it allows itself to be subject to or to be taught by. And, and, he, and he says all it does is create divisions and, and creates camps. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm a Copelandite. I'm a Swaggart person. I'm a Billy Graham person. I'm a David Wilkerson person. I mean, you go down the list. That's how people are. Paul right. goes on to says, Paul goes on to says, you're, you're acting this way. You're carnal. And he says, because there's envying and mm -hmm. strife among you, there's divisions. You're walking like men. And then he uses himself and, and Apollos, who was a great preacher, as an example. He says, some of you guys say, I, I follow Paul. Another one says in verse 4, I follow Apollos. He says, that's carnal. And he says, who then right. is Paul? Who, who's Apollos but the ministers by whom he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? He says, I planted, Apollos watered. But it's God that yeah. blesses, right, or yeah. gives the increase. Yeah. It's not me. It's not Apollos. It's not Benny Hinn <laughs> or whatever guy you want to name nowadays, you know. It ain't them dudes. He says, and then he, he diminishes the ministry. He says, so neither is he that plants anything or he that waters, but God, right? He draws our attention to God. And so he says, now he that plants in verse 8 and he that waters, we're supposed to be one. And every man shall receive his own word, uh, reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry 
you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation, and another builds upon that foundation. But then he says this, but let him, let every man take heed how he builds on that foundation, for other foundation can no man lay which is laid, which is Christ Jesus the Lord. And then he goes on to talk about if any man builds gold, silver, and precious stones upon this foundation, wood, hay, or stubble, he says every man's work is going uh, to be made manifest, what it really is, what your motivation has truly been, whether you're really of the spirit or you're of the natural, whether you're carnal or whether you're spiritual, it's all about to be revealed when the day is going to declare it because it's going to be revealed by fire and the fire will try every man's work of what kind of a work it really is. And if any man's work abides which he has built on, he'll receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved by the very fire that's examined his work. And that's when he tells the Corinthians, do you not know that you're the temple of God and that the spirit of God is dwelling in you? In verse 17, he concludes by saying, if any man defiles the temple of God, him will God destroy, for the temple of God is holy holy which temple you are and so he's talking about right spirit and those that are spiritual those that are carnal he warns the preachers when you come and preach to somebody you better be preaching spiritually and whether you're yeah. watering or whether you're planting and understand preacher he says when you come and talk to the people of god you better be speaking by the spirit of god because they are the temple of god and if you defile them by what you teach, which isn't of God, it's either one of two things, right? He said it's either spiritual or it's carnal. And if you're teaching carnal things, God's going to destroy you because you've defiled his temple. That's heavy wow. stuff, man. Wow. <laughs> it's true. You know, I mean, it's true. The wow. Preachers have taken that out of context because they preach it as personal responsibility to the believer. But it's talking about preachers there. Yes, it is. That they need to be careful that what they're preaching doesn't defile the body or yeah. else i mean that's that's a powerful thing or god will destroy you <laughs> my god wow well why yeah. right because because the church yeah. was born by the very blood of jesus that was shed on calvary that's why yeah. it cost him his life and now you're going to come all up in here in, in in his body in his church and be so cavalier exactly. you haven't prayed in months where you're so busy that you don't have a word. Oh, you, you, you get your word off of sermon.com on a Saturday right. night, and then you come dab, tap dancing into the congregation on a Sunday morning, and you think you're a preacher? Are you kidding me? God will destroy yeah. you for doing that. And that's what we Ooh, see happening wow. in America. My Lord. Wow. That's wow. why these churches are shut. That's why these yes. doors are closed. Oh, it's the Democrats. It's the Republicans. Oh, it's the Panda. No, it's God because he's tired of seeing this. Right. You've yeah. been defiling his yeah. temple. That's what he's doing. It's all yeah. being tried by fire. <laughs> yes. My Lord. Yeah. Oh, help. Oh. <laughs> ah, Lord. Lord. We need the Spirit. Yeah. We need to. Uh, and, and that's why, uh, you know, God has hidden his word, Brother Jeremy. That's a long way around to answer that question, but but I think we've oh, seen some things, right? We need the so, Spirit. You know, and we need it yeah. now. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, if, well, if, if people if people would consider just consider what Sisson said, 
what 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 you have just said if people would just consider it preacher if you're listening consider it your life would change you would approach things differently we're speaking spiritual things yeah. carnality I, I i was i was upset the other day i i in the youtube video this preacher talking about sexual relationships and in in at this at this time like this, speaking yeah. carnal, mm-hmm. you know it upset me. You know, and and that's not what we're supposed to be preaching in this hour, preacher. Speaking no. about relationships and speaking about um about about this about that. You need this, and we need to we need to be better equipped to deal with race. Be quiet. We need to speak <laughs> spiritual things. Yes. You know, and, 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 wow, and what did Paul say? No, Paul said, "No other foundation can be laid except that which was laid, which is Christ Jesus." That mm-hmm. John said. John said that the Father told him, "Who you see the Spirit descending upon, that's Him." Where did the Spirit come? It's always he. It's it's on Jesus, right? And 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 He had the Spirit without measure. He's the Son of the Living God. He's the one of a kind. He's the only begotten of the Father. And Paul said, "That is what you're supposed to be." preaching you can't preach anything else if you're preaching anything but christ you're carnal and you're defiling the temple of god he alone is worthy and john pointed to his ministry the apostle john pointed to him as the word of god made flesh right the light that lights every man that cometh into the world he is before all things and by him all things were were made whether they're seen or unseen and by him all things consist they were made by him and for him let all the angels of god worship him that's how god talked that's what he said right and 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 and, and so here we are we we're being we're being led by the spirit to declare one thing repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand jesus is coming and that is going to be the identifying mark we preached a message years ago called then drew then drew near jesus unto john to be baptized of him he he came to john because his message was about him and the spirit will come to every believer every child of god who whose motivation and whose desire is to proclaim the king of kings and the lord of lords yeah all things were given right all things were given by inspiration of the holy spirit and what he's saying right now is he's coming soon. And so we went off in this direction today, and we'll pick this up on, on, on Monday uh, with verse 4, because it's an incredible, incredible thing that John is revealing. But I really sense the presence of the Lord took us in this direction. And those of you who listen to this, I pray that it blesses you, it challenges you, it encourages you to seek the Lord and to tap in to the Spirit of the living God and allow him to fully fill you and guide you and teach you because that's what he's come to do. All the apostles testified to that. And Jesus himself said, I, I, it's better that I go away. He said, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But if I go away, I'm going to pray to the Father and, and he will send you the Spirit, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. But he gives them to everyone that, 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 that loves him and pleases him. That's who the Spirit hangs out with. So let us pray that we do not grieve him and let us pray that we draw near to him and listen to what he's saying. And what he's telling us in this hour is get ready for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Any closing thoughts, brothers? Powerful. You know, um, 
there's John would say these words in First John chapter one, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a powerful way. Hallelujah. What a powerful way to go into the weekend. And yes. I have a sense that some of your Zoom meetings or faith, however you meet with your church's preachers, it's going to be a different sermon this Sunday. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> if you, Praise God. If yeah. you got a hold of this word, hallelujah, then you, you're going to, God is going to prompt something in your spirit. We're so happy that you have joined us today. And and so glad to have that you have been. We have shared this time together this week. We'll be praying for you. We pray that the blood of Jesus covers you as we go into the weekend, never knowing what's going to happen, but always with an assurance, knowing that Jesus Christ is coming back again. We pray the Lord bless you, keep you, and keep looking up. <laughs>